Okay, this is the first issue club podcast, and this week we're covering Guardians of the Galaxy number one and Buffy the Vampire Slayer number one. Let's do it. So, uh, first up, we got Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, out on Boom Studios. And legitimate question, every time you say boom, you need to say the exclamation point? Boom! Yes. Okay. It's in the. It's in their actual... Yeah, well, they, like, do, they wouldn't put it there if it wasn't made for emphasis. Yeah. Emphasis. Emphasis. Uh, Joss Whedon originally created Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yes. and his name is on the front of this comic book. Correct. For those who don't know, his name is not Josh. It's Joss. I'm sure he gets that all the time. You think he gets called Josh a lot? I think he gets called Mr. Whedon. I think he's famous enough that he gets called by his real name. Yeah, especially by the fan base. Yeah. Joshua. <laughs> That's his full Christian name. <laughs> this is Joshua Whedon. Joshua Whedon. <laughs> um, the real authors of this are... Jordy Belair. Uh, did you ever watch Buffy as a kid? That's the that's where I want to go. Yeah, I've watched episodes and the movie of Buffy. You watched? I've I've never seen the movie. Is the movie good? Yeah, it's really good. The what did and this is a segment that happens in the back, back of this comic book. What did Buffy the Vampire Slayer mean to you as like a kid? Um, I just thought it was an interesting uh, show about a woman specifically fighting these demons and being so powerful. And being the uh, vampire slayer, up until then, it's been mostly men taking on the power role of uh, destroying these creatures. And just to see Buffy, a young woman, who she's in high school, do this was um, pretty unique to me. And it had a lot of uh, young gay characters in there as well. So there's a lot of representation. Like, okay, but the Buffy thing, though, the phenomena of, like... Yeah, it was a culthood. It was that, but it's like, you tuned into the motherfucker. It was. Oh the, yeah. It, for me, it was in the afternoon. Oh, so you watched it when it was in syndication? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I guess I didn't see the the newer episodes. I guess that's fine. I mean, you watch it. And then uh, Dawson's Creek was on right afterwards. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know. Hell yeah. I watched every episode of that. I went over to my a- brother watched every episode of One Tree Hill. Really? Yeah. I was telling the guys in our text chain that Buffy is already a high contender for best. Cover. cover of the year. Yeah, for two, for 2019. I will say this. There was a bunch of comics out this she, this week, and I think the covers alone are what pushed this into us actually covering this comic book. Yeah, for sure. This comic book was fun to read. Like, for you, I mean, as a Buffy fan, what do you think? Yeah, well, it's basically, it was a quick rehashing of the series. Just to get you caught up on where we're at. They're basically banking on... If you're reading this comic book, you've probably watched the TV show and seen yeah. the movie. Uh, They're not gonna fuck around with <laughs> too they, much backstory. Even the like part where they reveal that Willow is gay. Yeah, um, that was super quick. Like she was just like, it was weird because Buffy just had like really good gaydar, I guess, and she was just like, "You don't have a girlfriend," and I was like, "When yeah. did we establish that? that, 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 that hold on, <laughs> hey, hold on, dates women." And so, this is a comic book. Uh, banking on some nostalgia. Um, not only banking on, just hoping to God still has enough steam for people to pick this up. Does it? We picked it up. I'm going to pick up the rest because it's fun. We insta-picked this up. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah. because of the covers, like we said before. Yeah, those covers were insane. Um, Boom also did uh, Robocop Citizen Arrest. Arrest and those covers were series. insane. And the Firefly covers were insane. So Boom is doing covers right. Boom really wants us to judge a book by its cover. Nostalgia covers. I mean, literally, we are the audience. I mean, you put a Robocop and put some like pink on there and just like make it good. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy every single one. Yeah. If you make a fancy pastel virgin cover, you're going to sell it to us. Oh, yeah. I think that Boom knows their audience. Yes. Um, this comic book, it lacked a little bit of subtlety in the conversations. Right. Um, I really think it was... The, the the dialogue actually seemed like really rushed. Like they were trying to get through a lot. So in the end, though, they say that they're doing that because this is going to take unexpected turns that the show didn't do. Which, obviously... Because nobody uh, wants an adaptation of the same thing, the television show, into a comic book. Well, nothing about this first issue told you that you're going to get anything different than the Buffy television show. We shall see. So, except for that, Buffy likes going to L.A. a lot. Did she like going to L.A. in the television show? Uh, I can't remember. I'm not sure that's a thing. That I have she no likes. way of knowing that. that. Well, then, like, I don't remember that shop of horrors. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, and that and that may have been one of the most intriguing parts about the yeah. comic book. So I think the Shop of Horrors was was super interesting. I'm going to say this. I didn't know the reveal of who that person was in the end. I didn't either. That there's like some big monster or something. Yeah. This comic book played up on nostalgia a lot. And if I buy it again, it will be solely for the letters that Boom included in the back. Mm-hmm. And the way that they wrote about the love of Buffy as a kid and what it meant to them with such passion. Uh, that I can tell that like this entity means a lot to them, um, so I think that they like are excited to do things with it, um, and even like it felt good for me to just read letters of other comic book readers talk about how much Buffy meant to them. Mm-hmm. I think Buffy really connected with people on much more than just a fun TV show because it has such a cult following. You can tell that it really helped people like people our age really kind of grew up with Buffy and it kind of really shaped them. Greg. Mike. I want to talk to you about Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Well, that's great because I want to talk to you about Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Donny Cates wrote it. Jeff Shaw did the pictures for it. Um, I was really looking forward to this book. Me too. Uh, Not only because... Donnie Cates does it just because they're mixing up the team a lot. I think I saw like the promo photo of this mm-hmm. with this group of whack wackadoos. Yeah. And that was enough to just get me like really curious about how they were going to actually get them all together. Well, and to hype this book up, they did the front cover, the cover A, they did all, all, only silhouettes. Oh, so you didn't and know they who was slowly actually re- gonna... They slowly revealed day by day who... Uh, was shadowed. You know, I really wasn't on the pulse of it as much as you, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm on that pulse. I guess the concept of the book as a whole was just how this gang ultimately got thrown together Yeah, due to Thanos' death. Mm -hmm. The key to it having been that he expects his body to be, or he expects his mind to be reincarnated, essentially, or filled into another body. Yeah, so Thanos went full Voldemort here, and uh, <laughs> he basically made a, a horror crux that is somewhere out in the universe. His mind and his consciousness got downloaded, 
into what he has told everyone in the room into a new body. I love the idea of Thanos having like a last will and testament. Or like a funeral sort of ceremony. Yeah, like like that was kind of cool that a bunch of people gathered around to like hear his dying videotape. Also, it's pretty fucking smug. Yeah, it is. It was just like, well, I've probably died by my own choice because no, none of you would have managed to yeah, kill me. No one can kill me. And then he was like, I'm sure there's a ton of people here. Which, if you haven't been following any of the storyline, Gamora kills him. And you kind of get the idea that he let it happen. Right, yeah. And Groot talks now. And Groot talks. I don't really know how to feel about that. It's weird, isn't it? I'm kind of like, fucking finally. I I'm, guess. I'm sick of him saying, I am Groot. Give him I, words. I guess, but that'd be like if you're watching Star Trek and all of a sudden Chewbacca's just like, uh, Han Solo, my good child. Yeah, it does kind of seem blasphemous. Yeah, like, I think the whole, like, fun thing about those characters that, like, R2-D2, Chewbacca, uh-huh. Groot, is like, y- you, you think that they're, uh, Saying these grandiose things, but just you, you, all you hear is Chewbacca or I am Groot. Mm-hmm. They're like Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> In that, there's only one person that can really uh, interpret <laughs> what the uh, what they're saying is kind of funny to me. Well, I'll say not having read all of the comics that led up to this comic, I still really liked it. Guardians of the Galaxy is something that. I've tried to get myself into several different times right. with very little success. I think when Jerry Duggan did a run, uh, I love him as a writer, and I tried to read some of those, and I still just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that it's like I'm used to the other Marvel characters, and this is set in outer space. Right. Um, maybe sp- space opera sort of things just don't do a lot for me, but... Um, this one actually got me excited about it. I like that the group's kind of in disarray. There's not a lot of um, deep-seated history between all these new people. They're kind of oddballs all thrown together. Right, right. Which makes it maybe a little more accessible than this book has been in the past. And I think that's what they're kind of going for. Like, they obviously are trying to get uh, older readers that like Guardians of the Galaxy and newer readers to come in who are used to the Marvel movies and who need a jumping in point because this is this is brand new. This is a new team. The only people that they'll know are Star-Lord and Groot. Silver Surfer is obviously Silver Surfer, like a huge yeah. character. Yeah. Well, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention one of the more newer popular characters. This is true. Also a creation mm-hmm. of Donald Cates. <laughs> the cosmic ghostwriter is himself. back. I know he's a fan favorite. Relatively new, introduced in the Thanos book that came out a year and a half, two years ago. I love it. I love his shitty attitude. I love this character. (laughs) I think Donny Cates really knocked it out of the park. I think we talked about it in our year-end 2018 review. (laughs) What a fun, interesting character that is kind of a a Deadpool-ish character. He doesn't really break the fourth wall like Deadpool does, but he kind of has that mentality of just like really leaning into anti-hero. I like that I'm well-versed in the uh, Kates-averse because he <laughs> makes funny nods to like other previous stories that mm-hmm. he's done, especially with Cosmic Ghost Rider throughout this book because he's got such a close relationship with Thanos, too. What do you think 
about the whole concept of, like you said, Thanos' Horcrux type of thing. Like, who's, whose body is he going to Yeah, I don't know. Fill? I mean, it's, I'm worried that Marvel's going to use it as a red herring for the next year and a half. <laughs> like uh like kind of like with the scroll stuff you're just like you don't know who to trust because it may be thanos kind of thing sure that's interesting and like fucking we find out you know a year and a half from now it's aunt may and you know that wouldn't be that fun <laughs> aunt may yeah our uh our heroes seem to believe that it's gonna be gamora yes the most dangerous woman in the universe yeah i can't remember has she gone like bad is she like a villain now because she well, remember I, in infinity war she took on like a new name yeah i think she i think what they were trying to convey was that she just had enough of thanos's bullshit and was like there's one way to stop this and it's essentially like yeah become the she went rogue. person who like inherits the infinity stones and mm-hmm. um make sure that someone worse doesn't have them yeah. So she's like, I'm willing to be the mantle who's like all powerful if it means Thanos doesn't have this. And then I think other people are coming at her with like, no one should be this powerful. We should be collaborating with mm-hmm. other holders of the stones. I I appre- I always appreciate the hero who's fed up enough with the character who's just like, we need to kill this person. Yes. Like. It gets really frustrating when you have these altruistic guys who are just like, but it's against everything I stand for. Right. And then the Joker gets back out of prison and kills, like, 40 more people. Like, kill the fucking Joker when you have a chance. Yeah. In a real life, you're those not pro- people don't exist. You're not proving anything to no. anybody by not killing him. You're proving you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, how many times does the Joker have to get out of Arkham before people go, you know what, maybe Batman isn't the best choice for this. <laughs> Because it's just like, you're right, like, people like the Joker or Thanos or any other mm. supervillain, Lex Luthor, anyone that causes harm to innocent people should be just, like, uh, executed. I don't care how far into the ground you put their cement bunker, they're always going to find a way out. Yeah. They're always going to have a crony on the inside. Uh-huh. Just kill them. <laughs> enough is enough. I know you have to sell comic books. And uh, if you kill characters like that, uh, that hinders that situation. But, I mean, in real life, that's what would happen. Yeah, please. Well, I think that's all I have to say about Guardians. I think it's all I have to say as well. Um, Do you have any other books you want to talk about real quick before we sign off? Oh, yeah, let's do some quick hits of, like, other things that we picked up this week. Um, I got most of the first issues that I saw on Racks. That looked like racks on racks on racks. Decent. Some of the really small pubs I didn't get, but yeah, um, let's talk about them. Naomi on DC, which is like one of the new Bendis characters. Yeah, it's under the imprint Wonder Comics. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. Did you? I did, and I really liked it. What's it about? It's so a young girl in a small town has a Superman incidents happen in her town. And she's like, infa- she's been always been infatuated by Superman, right? And kind of has what they call in the DC universe, like a uh, Superman complex. Okay, um, where she just envisions greater things for herself, and 
wants to achieve this thing that's like wholly unachievable, right? There's like only one Superman. Yeah. Um, so she sees parallels between her and uh, Superman, Clark Kent. Okay. Because she's an orphan. And then, ooh, should I spoil the book for you guys? Yeah, go ahead. No, I probably shouldn't. No. Um, it's, it's an intriguing book, and I think it's really worth checking out. Oliver, number one, came out on Image. So <laughs> I pulled that and then put it back. It, this book was shit. Oh, no. It was so, I was like, why am I reading this? Um, the premise of it is that there's a bunch of, um, like, Stormtrooper-type clones that were made to fight a war. Okay. But once the war ended and London was ruined, uh-huh. like, no one wanted to give the clones the same rights as normal humans. Okay. So they're just, like, stuck in, a like, a ruined London. Okay. And there's one child who... It, like, is half human or something, or full human. Am I to assume that his they're name harboring. is Oliver? His name is Oliver. They jump forward three years in the comic book. I fucking hate that. When he's first born, and he's definitely, like, almost a teenager. <laughs> and I'm like, do humans, like... Age differently like, in age, this? Age, uh... like, three times as fast? Or does this person have, like, no concept of, like, how to draw a three-year-old? <laughs> like, that was really weird for one. Like, it was. it's something where, like, the premise sounds like it might be interesting, but in, but in execution was just, like, so dull and boring. Yeah. The colors are completely washed out in this. Mm. It just, like, never grabbed me for a second. From the first page I started reading this, I was I just couldn't wait for it to be over. Oh. I'm going to ask a dumb question. Is this a unique take on Oliver Twist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I ask <laughs> I mean I guess it's like uh, imagine okay, sitting no. in, imagine sitting in a room with guys and being like what if Oliver uh, Twist were in an alternate future wherein we fought wars with stormtroopers and then didn't give them normal human rights Okay I I only asked this for two reasons one on the last page, there is a quote from Charles Dickens. Yeah, there is. On this, Which was also like... And on the page after that, there is a little orphan boy holding a bowl up to a stormtrooper, just like the <laughs> famous scene in Oliver Twist. Please, sir, I want some more. <laughs> this looks like an S&M Star Dude, Wars... The, the point of this, I think, comic was to create an Oliver who is uh, an orphan raised by a world of orphans. I think that's like literally it. He's an orphan raised by orphans. That's the kick of the book. The thing is, if you're a clone, you're essentially an orphan. Okay. <laughs> Which is already kind of a fucking stretch. Also, the Dickens quote they ended on, I was like, why that quote? It didn't feel like it had any finality to it. Surprises <laughs> I was just like, like is it over or is there another page? There was not. 
leads right into ads. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. The last book uh, I picked up, me and Budget King did a little Insta uh, video on. Not Insta. YouTube. The last book I picked up, me and Budget King did a little YouTube video on that I think we're going to put up. But Avant-Garde is a book out on Boom about a group of girls who are trying to start a basketball team at an art school. And there's a new girl at mm-hmm. school, a bit of a loner, mm-hmm. who they're trying to convince to be on the team. And she's kind of trying to find herself and find where she fits in. Right. So. Uh, I read it. I loved it. So did I. I really liked it, too. I thought it was a great YA book. Kind of a little non-traditional, too, for yes. the normal YA stuff you get. So that was kind of refreshing, too. Yeah. There's a lot of representation in this book. A lot of yes. different personalities in uh-huh. this book. Uh, I thought it was great. A couple early hints at maybe some budding relationships. Yeah. Uh, some hidden secrets in the past. I think if uh, you're a young person trying to figure yourself out, this book won't help you, but it'll be fun to read. <laughs> so did you guys see that controversy where it had to do with Bendis's Superman run? Mm-hmm. The son, like Superman's son, grew up. Mm-hmm. Him and him and Lois were off doing something, yep. off off planet, and he he ended up growing up because he he wasn't there under the yellow sun to keep him like from aging differently. Oh, so now he's like a teenager, and people are losing their goddamn minds. Like they hate it. They or... hate it. Really? Which is just like for all the things to get irate about a a character aging. Like it's not the Simpsons, uh-huh. you know, like. I get it. Like you kind of want these characters to stay in a certain age r- range for infinity. Yeah. But to get that, like people were very vocal about this. Well, how much are you gonna do with a character that's like an eight year old? Not a whole lot. Yeah. Unless you're the little rascals. Not a whole lot. <laughs> they age up and down, Captain America, all the time, and that gets on my nerves. Yeah. Like, here's old man Steve Rogers, and then he's like somehow young again. <laughs> do you remember how that happened though? No, the God. super the super serum wore off, mm-hmm. so he like aged super rapidly. Quick. Yeah, and then like they figured out and they changed him back. But I was just like, it, it was funny for a second. And I was like, okay, this is now old. I was I, I kind of thought it was cool for a minute because I was like, that's a character that maybe needs retiring and a new face. And it was really cool when they made Sam Wilson, yeah, Captain America, yeah, yeah, yeah. which seemed super poignant at the time. Mm-hmm. But then just to like hand it back to. Steve Rogers. Stevie, yeah. I was like, eh. This is the same shit when they made Steve Rogers, like, part of Hydra. It would have been, I think we're all assuming that he's going to die off in the next Marvel movie. Yeah, if you're not bracing yourself for some kind of situation where Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans retire from the movies, you're fucking fooling yourself. I mean, what a great time to change... Captain America over in the comic books <clears throat> and then mirror that change in the movies like a couple years later. I think you'll see something along those lines happen. Especially sh- when Endgame starts to come out. Mm-hmm. You'll probably see a switch somewhere. They should have just left Falcon as Captain America. They really should have. And if they wanted to bring Steve Rogers back young again in some other capacity, like made him make him a new character. Yeah. Like, do, like, the nomad sort of thing. Where yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. That would have been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's what why we're not producers of Marvel movies anymore. What are you going to do? Uh, I want everyone to say, 
goodbye because I'm in charge of this podcast and I say we're ending it right now. All right. Michael, you want to wheel yourself over here, Budget King? I'm Mike D. Toodaloo, suckers. It's Budget King and... Uh, what's that song? How's it going? Oh. The wheels keep on burning. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is... <laughs> Not only did you get the song wrong, this is Greg Lichtai, and I will show myself out. Uh, we are recorded in KCUR Studios. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Music by Primary Colors Music. We are edited and produced by Matthew Hodap in the Windy City. Uh, we are on every social media you could possibly think of. If you are on a social media that we don't know about, let us know because it is fucking annoying that we are not on all the social medias. Um, we are birds from women. We are all wearing shoes with laces. And I think we got it all. So see y'all on the flip side. Jamming on the one. Bye.